Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 309 of the Weird Science DC Comics Podcast. I'm Jim, and I'm going to be talking about a couple of books, a couple digital things, a couple regular things. This is going to be a regular DC Comics show. I had done the hashtag comics great show last week, and I will continue doing that as well. I am figuring out if I will do that as a separate entity or if I'll mix it in, things like that. Or I may just throw it out there this weekend on the regular feed just to do it. But we are the Weird Science DC Comics Podcast. And let me tell you where you can find us. We're on Twitter at Weird Science DC. We have a website, WeirdScienceDCComics.com, where we review almost every book that comes out each and every week from DC, which they're whittling things down. Uh, A lot of books getting canceled, but you can go and read the reviews on the site. I have a YouTube channel, Weird Science Comics, where I do reviews for both DC and Marvel Comics. And we also have a Patreon account to help us out for all that stuff I just mentioned. But if you do join on the Patreon, you'll get even more shows, a lot of shows, including our weekly DC Comics Patreon only spotlight where the bad asses of the Get Fresh Crew people, they pick two books each week to have us feature only on the Patreon. And this week it was Batman the Outsiders number 15, one of the books that is heading to a finish, and also Dark Knight's Death Metal number three, the big book. I think that the spotlight ended up being somewhere around an hour and 20 minutes, just so that you know we put some effort into it, even though sometimes the effort is ridiculousness, like me talking about how I tried to shave using toothpaste yesterday. And I thought it was a life hack. It didn't end up being that quite. Uh, It was a failed Life hack, but I'm going to go off and talk a couple books. All right, and the first book is Harley Quinn, Black and White and Red, number six, chapter six. And if you were not aware of what this book is all about, it's a digital first book that comes out with a new creative team each issue, and it is done in all blacks, whites, and reds to match Harley Quinn's whole branding and motif. And I thought there was going to be more hype about this issue. This chapter is written by or story by Sean Murphy and Katana Collins. Katana Collins being Sean Murphy's wife and script by Katana Collins, art by Matteo Scalera, letters by N-World Design. And this is a prequel, a little prelude type deal to the upcoming new White Knight Harley Quinn series that is coming off of the Curse of the White Knight that ended just a bit ago. And so this is a little sneak peek into this. This is a way to get some hype, though. Like I said, I didn't hear a lot of hype, and I really like this chapter. I do like the story. I like the script by Katana Collins. I think it's very good. I also really, really like the art because of the idea that With this black, white, and red, a lot of times these have been black and white with like splashes of red or black and white and then a couple things that look fancy red. This is actually done mostly in red with the black and white kind of put in because it is a flashback issue. And when you end up having a flashback in this, it's almost in this red hue. And I think that is a really cool deal. And I think that it really, really makes it stick out from some of the things that I've read in this series before. But like I said, this is a, you know, prelude to what we're going to get 
coming up, I believe, in October for the White Knight Harley Quinn book. So you start off and it's going to give you the idea, Okay, there's been some time since the end of Curse of White Knight because the twins, Harley's twins that she had with Jack, they're older. They are they're not they're little kids, but they're not babies anymore. You do see that Bruce is still in jail and you have the kids that are they're writing a Valentine's Day card to Bruce and Harley is going to jump in as well so that she can end up, you know, writing. And what she wants to do is say, hey, you know what? I never thought that you'd become one of my best friends there, Bruce. And you remember the first time as Batman, you ended up arresting me. And that's what you end up having as this whole deal for the, you know, for the flashback and the main part of this whole entire issue. And I, I thought it was really well done. You end up having them write like, hey, kids, let's write these things to Uncle Bruce. All right, I'm going to tell him how much he means to me and all this. And and so she starts writing that as well. She starts thinking about it. And the first time that Batman did arrest her, her and Joker are doing a heist at a museum. They end up telling the curator, hey, you better give us the key to the clown diamond. The big giant clown diamond that is here. And it's funny, too. You start off and right away you see Harley with the hyenas. She's jumping for joy. She has this big duffel bag. You see in the background some of the hostages that are tied up. And Joker being really mean, yelling at this curator, we need the key to the clown diamond. And Harley's just here. Woo-wee, why don't we get some of these paintings? Oh, my God. And, And you see... Joker is so annoyed at points with Harley. He is treating her poorly. He's treating her just awful. Like, hey, you know, you're such an annoyance. You're so slow. You don't do what I tell you. While he also puts a knife to this curator's, you know, neck. I mean, he is brutal with this. And so while this is going on again, Harley's, why don't we just, you know, have a little fun here? I thought we were having some fun. This isn't that much fun. And you see the Joker trying to, twist the situation he needs harley to be there even if it's just to grab him weapons or to carry things but he has to get her on board so he starts to try to you know con her into it by saying like we want the clown diamond she's like why don't we just get the paintings why don't we can get a lot of money for those and so he gets her but we can have the the clown diamond we can make it into some jewelry like a bracelet earrings maybe a ring and she's like a ring And he's like, not that kind. And then she gets all sad. You see her in the background pouting. Uh, But he says, I need that key. Harley, hand me a weapon. Hand me a gun. And she's going through the duffel bag. Well, while she's doing that, she looks up into the rafters. There's Batman and Robin just hanging, especially Robin. He's just hanging there like a bed butt, looking down. Batman's crouched over. And Harley's like, "Uh, Puddin, I think we have a problem. He's like, not now, Harley, stop talking. You're so annoying. Get me a weapon. So she's like, all right. She's reaching through the duffel bag and then pulls out a gun, hands it to Joker. And he goes to shoot this guy and says, don't blame me. Blame your boss for this. He goes to shoot this guy and the bang flag comes out. And oh, my God. And that's where. Batman and Robin leap into action where Joker's yelling, wrong gun, Harley. And then they just all start fighting. And you do have Harley and Robin fighting. At one point, it's hilarious where Robin's like, how are you this strong? Because Batman goes and just starts beating the crap out of Joker. At one point, there's a funny bit where 
Joker like reaches and grabs glasses and puts them on and goes, hey, hey, Batman, you, you wouldn't hit a guy with glasses, would you? <laughs> Batman takes off the glasses and then punches them. It's really I'm telling you, it's really well done. I really, really like this issue. But yeah, you have all of these things going on. The hyenas are there. Batman says, tell the mutts to stand down. You guys are going, you know, and she says, OK, you know, mommy will be back soon. Babies, uh, mommy will be in Arkham for a while, but I'll come back to get you, you know. And Batman actually says, no, play your cards right right now and you'll be out on bail in a week. She's like, what are you talking about? And he says, no, I saw what you did. I saw that you diffused the situation. You weren't into this whole deal. You weren't into hurting people. I could tell that you weren't told that you were going to hurt people like this. And you even ended up grabbing the fake gun, the fake gun when they're going on. And the thing that got me, though, is you do end up having Harley like, hey, what would have happened if Batman and Robin weren't in the rafters? What if she didn't see them? Would she have actually still grabbed that fake gun? I'd like to think she would. It throws a little bit in with me like, I don't know. But one of the things that Batman wants to know is how did she see him? How did she see and hear him coming? Now, number one, they're they're in open rafters and Batman has, has like the biggest damn cape. I, I think it was very obvious. But even with that, you know, he's he's impressed with how are you the only one? How are you the only one that I can't sneak up on? She's like, well, you, you're tights. They squeak together. He's like, they're pants. They're not tights. And then Harley's like, yeah. And this hat of mine's a tiara. And then starts laughing. And it's really well done. This dialogue between Batman and Harley and where I like Harley is the Harley that you get beyond the facade. You know, it's also, you know, where's Batman? What is really the mask and all that? And sometimes you have the whole deal. But I love with Harley where somebody does get through that. And it would be Batman who would do this, especially in this series. But he says, you know, the the saddest, you know, people, the people who laugh the loudest are usually the saddest inside. And Harley's still not getting it or she's playing coy and like, oh, you mean Mr. J? He ain't sad. I don't think he's sad. And he's like, no, no, I, I mean you as he's taking Harley out to the police car. To, you know, she's going to go to Arkham, but maybe she can get out quick. And he ends up saying, you know, other people see this, you know, crazy Side, But I see the astute doctor who actually is doing this because she understands Jack's condition and is trying to help him and trying to get through this. And I agree with you because in the White Knight and all this stuff going on, there was the idea that Harley said Jack Joker is better with Harley by the side. It's almost like that juxtaposition of a Batman's better with a Robin. Well, in this, the Joker is way better with a Harley because she's there to stop him, maybe get him to be not so bad and help him out. And she ends up getting in the car. And the the big kicker is Batman says, you're right. Joker's better with Harley, but Harley, you are not better with him. You would be much, much better without him. You should get away from him. And they get led away. It's funny too, because at the point she's like, okay, baby's talking to the hyenas. Mommy, you'll see you soon. They're in the police car. I think they're getting booked. But yeah, you end up, they're getting collared, they are. You end up with the whole deal where then Harley threw this letter that she's writing that's used as the narration saying that I'm used to being watched, you know, and even throws out in this. I was a go-go dancer to get myself through 
med school. I was also the youngest resident to be hired at Arkham. And then I was the hottest new villain. Everybody wanted to see me. Everybody watched me, but nobody actually was seeing me. And it's it's good. And like I said, this is just a one shot. I've read all of the other, you know, black, white and reds. And I've enjoyed them. I've enjoyed them for the most part. But usually you end up getting like just surface level deal. A lot of times you'll have an artist also writing and it's one of their first. So they'll end up with, hey, there's crazy Harley and look at my cool art, things like that. But this actually in, you know, for is a really well-developed single issue of a comic that will really go well to springboard into that series. And I was not looking forward to the whole series, this, you know, the White Knight Harley. I enjoyed White Knight a lot. Curse of the White Knight kind of, I'm getting diminishing returns. I'm not liking it quite so much. But when they said Harley, ah, maybe that's too much. And you know what? It's Katana Collins. It's not Sean Murphy writing or even art, you know, the whole deal. I think I might sit this one out knowing full well that we'll be talking about it in some form on the podcast. But still, me thinking to myself, if I was going to the comic shop, I probably wouldn't buy it. But now after this, and I think I would, yeah, let me check this out. And I did. I bought this. So I, I end up checking out. Hey, I'm in. I think that I am in now. I really like what we get here because then you end up having Leslie Tompkins and Renee Montoya come over to have a Valentine's dinner with Harley and the kids. You know, they Aunt Leslie, Aunt Renee, they go running. By the way, it's a boy and a girl, it seems so, just to throw that out. And you end up having all this where Harley says, hey, can you watch the kids a minute? I do like to the kids. What do you want for dinner? We want cake. We want pizza. Leslie's like, I'll order the salads. And they're like, oh, and I'm like, really? You're really going to do that for, for a party? You're going to order salads, Leslie, please. But yeah, Harley says, can I go mail these letters? Uh, I'll be right back. And goes out, puts the kids' letters in the mailbox, uh, does not put hers. She puts hers in her pocket. And then you end with what I love, the classic Finn. And then Seymour and Batman White Knight presents Harley Quinn number one available October 2020. And then you have even bats in red making a big giant heart in the sky. Oh my, so lovely. But yeah, art's great. The art, and I, I will also mention that if you haven't seen the art, Mateo Scalera's art really does match up enough with the Sean Murphy art. It won't throw you off. It's not a drastically different style, so it will fit into this whole universe as well. So I do really like that, but I I thought it was a really good issue. I'm giving it a 9.4. Eh, screw it. I'm going to give it a 9.5. That's how much I liked it. 9.5 out of 10. I haven't been able to say that number in quite some time. Like Obi-Wan, I have not heard that score in quite some time. Yeah, 9.5. So I suggest that if you are into the White Knight stuff and maybe you want to see what might be going on in October with this, pick it up. I think that you'll enjoy it and let me know if you do. But I'm going to go off right now to a little bit of a announcement slash commercial, and then I'll be back with more books. Hey, everybody. I've talked about it before, but let me tell you once again that you can go over to audible.com right now and listen to the Audible original The Sandman, based on the best-selling DC graphic novels written by Neil Gaiman and adapted and directed by Dirk Maggs. 
The Sandman was hailed by the Los Angeles Times Magazine as the greatest epic in the history of comic books. And I personally have been catching up and reading through the Sandman. And it is very, very good. And this audio adaptation is decades in the making, starring James McAvoy in the title role. He's a gem. Follow Morpheus the Dream Lord as he's pulled from the dream realm and imprisoned on Earth. When he finally escapes, he must restore his power to rebuild his dominion. Then that's just the start. Featuring a powerhouse ensemble cast, including Riz Ahmed, Kat Dennings, Michael Sheen, and more, it is a full production, including sound effects and a full score. And if you haven't listened yet or haven't listened to anything of an audio drama, it's really a movie for your ears and your mind. And they are something that I really, really enjoy. And you could go and listen to The Sandman right now only on Audible. Go to audible.com slash Sandman and start listening. All right, and these next bunch of books I'm going to be talking about are three chapters of Injustice Year Zero that came out a couple weeks ago. And if you're not aware, this is a prequel comic to the Injustice series that Tom Taylor did years and years ago based on the video game. And I loved Injustice. I thought it was great, especially the first couple years of it. Supulib, as they say. But this Coming out, I was interested, like, okay, well, how far back? What is this going to be? What is it going to involve? It is a year before, so we're going to lead up to the events of Injustice, hence the year zero. It makes sense if you really do think about it. But it's written by Tom Taylor, art by Aroge Antonio, colors Rain Barreto, and letters by Wes Abbott. And you start off with kind of a, a salute to the JSA. And if you saw some of the... Things that Tom Taylor did end up going on Twitter, and he was teasing this. You saw a bunch of JSA stuff. You saw a bunch of stuff, including Hitler getting punched in the face, things like that. So, oh my, how long before would it happen? Well, you end up having flashbacks that show you, you know, what leads up to things. But the story of how the Joker ends up being able to control Superman, all that seems to go way back to even World War II the JSA involved, all this stuff. But in this first chapter, what you're going to do is set up the connection to that time frame. But also in the present of this chapter, you are celebrating the JSA. And on the Watchtower, up above Earth, they are having a party. A not I don't know. It seems more like a retirement party, but it seems we're going to celebrate you, JSA. But you end up seeing an ominous beginning of what will end up happening, saying, I wish that the JSA could have been around a little longer. Maybe they could have stopped stuff because you were the inspiration. You were the ones who made us want to be heroes. And then everything went wrong. And sadly, you were not around. So that's an ominous beginning indeed. But you go up to Blackgate Penitentiary. And you are introduced to a Mr. Chavard. Now, by the end, we find out his first name, Andre. It's Andre Chavard. And this is not a made-up character. This is actually a character in DC lore. He is an orphan that was part of the Boy Commandos back in World War II. Eventually, after World War II, even became part and commander of the spy agency department Gamma in France. So you end up having a character that does have a background it's a but a character that's pretty good so what happened because he's in blackgate he's in trouble and he's also trying to 
get himself paroled. He is sick. He wants to go and see his grandson that he's never seen. And the parole board says, yeah, we we feel bad for you, but your grandson knows where you are. He's never come to visit anyway. So no, parole denied. And even says, you know, you still have not paid for these crimes that you've done. You're like, oh my God, well, what did he do? But you end up having, he, he's he been in jail for it. I mean, he's an old guy. So he's walking around, he's passing out books. He ends up talking to Brick, one of the inmates who says, I don't want to read. You keep telling me about this reading of stuff. No, no, no. I'm going to write you a message. I want you to get it to the outside. I need to get out. So basically, this is Andre Chavard. He's sick. He knows he's going to die. He just wants to go see his grandson, and now he's decided, you know what? I've tried to go through the proper channels. They're not going to let me out. What does he have to lose? I am I need to get out of here, and I am going to, and the way I'm going to get somebody from the outside to break me out. We don't know exactly who that is yet. Of course, it ends up being one of the worst people that could possibly do that, but the thing that Brick says, yeah, we all want to get out. What are you going to offer anybody? And He says the power to control a god. So that's a big deal, especially since that narration is right there on a panel with Superman. Superman has shown up into a fiery Gotham. Gotham looks like it is just on fire, as it always is. And you end up seeing Nightwing and Batman and Robin fighting what is, you know, black black mask, the false face society. They're, They're going through this whole deal. And his goons you end up having black mask goons they ran off batman's pretty much beating the crap and so is huntress they're all beating the crap out of all the people who are left but they are going to have to go and round up the the gang the goons that ran off so superman says aren't you coming with me you know i need you but no 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 i i gotta round these people up i i gotta do this now if you ended up ever reading The Batman Superman book by Tom Taylor, he did three issues back in the New 52. There was a very similar scene where Superman needed Batman's help. He went into Gotham and they were fighting Clayface at that time. And Batman saying, "Ah, I can't go. I'm fighting Clayface. And then Superman just taking care of him within an instant. Let's go. It's very similar. And it also came up again in the the deceased uh, dead planet where you ended up having Swamp Thing do the same with Constantine. So it seems like this is something that Tom Taylor really enjoys doing, the scene. It's getting a little old in my mind, but you end up having Superman grab all the goons, ties them up. Batman's like, we didn't need your help. You have Nightwing, yeah, yeah, we needed your help. That was pretty cool. And then Superman, come on, Batman, we got to go. Batman's, no, I'm not going. I got things to do. And then Nightwing says, go. We have this covered. And they do go up to the watchtower, and it is a... Thank you party for the Justice Society, the JSA. And I'll go through the whole list of characters because it's a long list and pretty cool. Amazing Man, Black Canary, Dinah Drake, Dr. Fate, it's Inza Kramer, this one, The Flash, Jay Garrick, Green Lantern, Alan Scott, Hawkgirl, Hawkman, Hourman, Liberty Bell, Mr. Terrific, Terry Sloan, Mr. Terrific, Sandman, Jim Corrigan, The Spectre, Starman, Wildcat, And that's pretty cool, right? You have a whole bunch of characters here that are pretty darn awesome. Also, you have Wonder Woman. So you have everybody involved there, and they're having a party. Superman's giving toast. There's Batman sulking in the corner. He's not toasting anybody. He's not drinking. Wildcat goes over and says, you're drinking their bets. You know, I'm from the 1920s, but yet you're the grumpy old man. This is ridiculous. Then I'm fully hydrated. 
this is a work night, buddy. And then Wildcat says, okay, you don't want to drink. How about we fight? Let's just beat the crap out of each other. That'd be fun, right? And then Batman's like, no, I'm not going to fight you. I'm not fighting you, old man. Oh, you don't want to get embarrassed in front of your work friends. I understand. I understand what you're saying, Batman. But they, they go at it. They start going. And Wildcat says, hey, listen, hands only. We're just hand-to-hand sparring. None of your trained attack bats, nothing like that. That's nonsense. Batman's like, I I don't have trained attack bats. Whatever. Just, you know, use your hands. They start fighting. Batman gives one of those nerve strikes that you see in like a kung fu movie that Wildcat's like, really? You're going to go that far? We're sparring here, jerk. What's going on? Well, you said I had to use my hands, so that's what I'm using. Okay, we're playing that way? All right. And as Batman's saying, you know, feeling will return to your right arm in. He just gets walloped by Wildcat, and the fight is on. Barry goes off to grab Jay Garrick. Oh, my God. Jay, you got to come. Bring popcorn. And what? What's going on? Just come on. Batman's getting the crap kicked out of him. Let's go. And they're sitting there, and they're doing the whole popcorn. They're eating the popcorn. Oh, my God. This is amazing. Everybody else starts showing up as Wildcat pretty much beats the crap out of Batman. Ends up putting him down a couple times there. They get up, and Batman, like, this is his sort of thing. He's enjoying it, really. But he... It's like, all right, Wildcat, all right, let's get you up there. And as that's happening, you end up having the Spectre come over to Alan Scott. Yeah, I, I got to skedaddle. Uh, I got to leave. And Alan's like, yeah, you know, I, I never really thought the spirit of vengeance would really come and have a party with us. So, you know, you're good. You can go. All that. And you end up having the Spectre say, I, I didn't think I was welcome here. And Wonder Woman's, well, Jim, we know what you've done. I know the world doesn't know. But we know what you've done. You're welcome to anything, and we owe you big time. And he says thanks, and he goes off. And Batman's going to leave then. Also, he goes up to Jay and Barry and, like, I smelled the popcorn, you jerks. Like, you really were enjoying that, right? And you even have Barry. How could he possibly? And the Jay, he's a freak, that guy, as Batman's going to leave. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm heading out. And Superman stops him. He's like, where are you going? You know, we don't have enough. You know, good nights like this. We don't have enough time with all of us just hanging out and having fun. And Batman's like, I, I was punched in the face. I-, I just got sucked right in the chops. Superman's like, yeah, yeah, I know you. You're into that sort of thing. You liked it, did you? And then Batman says, maybe a little. And he's going off. Well, then we go back to Gotham and we see that the prison break is on for old Andre Chavard. And it is the Joker. The Joker has shown up with his Joker goons, and they are breaking Andre out to get that power to control a god. And that's the end of the first chapter. Really good. Uh, It's a lot of setup, but just seeing that full JSA and, and members that you don't normally see anymore, even when you get a JSA stuff. I mean... A Terry Sloan, Mr. Terrific, we we do not see very often anymore. That is pretty cool. And Inza Kramer, Dr. Fate, all of them are really cool. And the art's really, really good. So overall, I'm going to give this first chapter a nine. And now we'll go on to the next one. And the next is Injustice Year Zero, Chapter Two, written by Tom Taylor, art by Roger Antonio, colors by Rain Barreto, and letters by Wes Abbott. And this issue is all about legacy good bad and in between and the idea that you start getting some hints of how things evolved into what happened 
in the beginning of the Injustice story when Batman and Superman, still in the Watchtower after the party, are looking down on Earth and kind of talking about legacy, talking about protecting the world, talking about all of that stuff. And as this is going on, you see a bunch of legacy characters, Black Canary, Barry Allen Flash, how Jordan Green Lantern, you see them with their counterparts. It's pretty cool. And the idea where Superman says, you have a hell of a legacy, Batman. I mean, you mentored Cass and Barbara. You have Dick and Tim and Damien. You end up where, what about Jason? But he don't mention him. But then he does because Batman says the jury's still out on Damien. And Superman's like, no, it isn't. He's a good kid. He's just angry. So was Jason. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He ain't Jason. So you have that, like for all you Jason Todd fans. And so you end up Batman saying, I didn't really do that as a legacy thing. I started out fighting for my parents, but now I'm fighting for my children so that they can have something better than just being Batman and being me. I I hope that it evolves a little more than that. But I understand what you're saying. And Superman says, I want that too. I want to be able to fight for my kids and I want to have kids. And so Batman says, whoa, whoa, you want kids? Did you talk to Lois about that? He's like, yeah, but, you know, there's some fears in all of that. I'm wondering if it's, you know, sexy fears. But Batman says, oh, I have some people you can talk to about that. And again, I'm like, oh, my, what are you talking about? Uh, We know what happens then when you end up having Lois get pregnant. And it's not good. If you haven't read Injustice, I'm not going to spoil it. It's not good. It it really causes all the problems. But you end up where Amazing Man and Alan Scott Green Lantern come in and say, hey, what are you boys talking about? The world's finest. Look at you guys. And Batman says, "Eh, Superman over here doesn't think he has a legacy. And Amazing Man has one of my two favorite lines in this entire book when he says, what? Like, there's Superman with X-ray vision, telescopic vision, and microscopic vision, and he still can't see it? And you end up with Superman, what? See what? And they both, Alan Scott and Amazing Man, say, all the superheroes are your legacy. They're all inspired by you. I mean, everything going on now is because of you. Yeah, we may have inspired you to take up the deal, but since then you're the inspiration. You have a hell of a legacy going on here. Obviously, though, Superman wants something a little more personal. We talk about legacy as well when we have Andre Chavard and Harley Quinn being driven by Joker in a minivan, which is fun enough, and they pull up to a house. It is the house of Andre's grandson, Stefan Chavard, and Andre gets out. I'm going to go see my grandson. I'll be right back. Goes up, rings the doorbell. Hey, uh, you Stefan Chavard? Yes. Well, you probably don't know who I am. And he says, I know who you are. What are you doing here? Obviously, you have old Andre, a little bit of the black sheep of the Chavard family at this point. And he says, I just wanted to meet you, you know, and say, I'm sorry. The best line comes up because then Stefan says, wait a second, is that the Joker over there? Joker yells out the minivan, hi, kid. And then you have Stefan. You show up out of nowhere in the middle of the night to apologize and you bring a homicidal maniac to my home? And the best line is Joker yells out, I'm with the kid, Andre. This was poorly thought out. I'm like, that. that's classic. And Andre, yeah, I suppose so. He agrees with both Stefan. And the Joker and says, all right, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I came here, but I'm just glad to see you. And I'm glad to know 
that the Shabard name will live on, the legacy part of it, and it is in better hands now. You will make it better. All right, I'm leaving. So then you end up having Batman obviously got word that there was a breakout at Arkham. He comes back to Earth. He's flying towards Blackgate. And it's Blackgate, I'm sorry, not Arkham. He's flying to Blackgate to see what's going on, blames himself for not being there. But you have Huntress and Nightwing say, no, we, we did this to the T. We couldn't get here in time. We got here in three minutes and 45 seconds. They were gone. And so, okay, well, let's look at the clues. Who did he break out? And you do have Huntress say, well, there's tons of Joker associates here at Blackgate. And he only broke out one guy, and it's it's a guy we don't know who it is. It's Andre Chavard. He's 86 years old. Gordon's there as well, talking with him. And Batman kind of remembers. I mean, this is the world's greatest detective. He remembers everything except how to take down Wildcat. And he says, oh, I think I may know that name. I'll have to look into it. He's been in the prison. They say Andre Chavard had been there for 55 years. He was denied parole on compassionate grounds. And that's where... Batman compassionate grounds Huntress says he's dying so that kind of puts that whole thing in perspective and leads and this is where I do love Tom Taylor in general but I think that with the pacing of these digital books that he does this even the hope at world's end all these he's so good at pacing these you know one page two panel things going on there's not a ton to each chapter Somehow he wrings the most out of it and really gets it the way he sets this up. Because now you see, okay, Andre Chabard, he is dying. Oh, my. So he doesn't have anything to lose, right? He's going to die anyway. He's 86. You get all that info to go to the minivan. Joker driving around. He's hitting things, you know, hitting pedestrians, cars as he's talking. He ends up running down to people as he is talking to Andre, who says, I'm not going to do what I said. Joker says, all right, give me the power of the God. No. What? Joker says, excuse me? And then thud, he hits these two guys. You see a shoe and a hat. He hit them out of his shoes. And then you see a U-turn because you end up having Andre. I'm going to die. I'm 86 years old. I ain't got nothing to lose. Even I, as I read this, I'm like, you're a dumb guy, Andre. I mean, you were in jail a long time. I, I guess you lost it a little because you just showed Joker exactly the one thing you care about. Your grandson, Joker makes a U-turn, says, yeah, I think I know what you care about. And they go back to Stefan Chavard's house. Joker gets out with a knife, kicks down the door, says grandpa's back, and then just starts cutting on Stefan's fingers off. And says, I'm not going to kill him yet, because that's when Andre comes in. Don't don't kill him. Oh, no, no. If I kill him, then you don't have motivation. I'm just going to kind of slice and dice here. Harley's yelling to, you know, poor Stefano's screaming. Yeah, you just pick up your fingers, put them on ice, and then call. Oh, it's hard to pick up your fingers when you don't got fingers, though. And all that. And that's where Andre says, I'll tell you everything. Please stop. Please stop. Please. And that's where they are going to go forward. And that's where Joker says to Andre, okay. And you have any more surprises for me, jerk? Like, you planning on doing any other stupid things? Because we could just go back in there. And he's like, no, no, I'll tell you everything. And that's where Joker then gets in the classic Joker where he's doing awful things and, and laughing. Ha ha, you know, all that. And then all of a sudden gets totally dark because I'm ready to be a god. And that ends. And it says next World War II. 
And I, I really like this. I really like all of the way it's set up. I said, I think Tom Taylor is a master of this digital format. I really, really enjoy when he does things. And just to set up, and again, I can see why they release three chapters at once for the one price because, yeah, you're, you're setting up the story. This is 100% set up, but the way it's written, the way it's so fast-paced going – I like it all. Again, I'm going to give this a 9 out of 10, and we'll move on to the last bit, Chapter 3. And Injustice, Year Zero, Chapter 3, is written by Tom Taylor, art by Cian Torme. So we have a change of artist here, which fits because we're going back in time for most of it to World War II. So you have a different look, different style, colors by Rain Barreto and letters still by Wes Abbott. And yeah, you end up having... Andre Chabard tell Joker about what could give him this power and what he was alluding to before. And before we get to the story, you do have Andre sitting there in Joker's hideout. Joker says, is this story time? Because the whole idea is it begins, yeah, in 1945, Hitler killed himself. He committed suicide at the end of World War II deal. Uh, He did not do that willingly. That was not him. It was not his choice. So Joker says, what is this? You know, story time? Okay, if it's story time, listen. And he points to two of his goons. Okay, you get me a cozy rug. You light a fire. And the guy with the fire is like, hey, how big the fire? You want, boss? And Joker's like, what? And then Harley whispers like, that's Ned. He's an arsonist. So you end up switching the deal. He's like, okay, I don't want an arsonist to start a fire. So, okay, uh, Gary, you're the other guy, right? You're, the, you're an assassin? Okay, well, Gary, you start the fire. Ned, you go and get the rug. And he's, do you want the rug on fire? And he says, well, why would I want it on fire? I mean, my, everything's better on fire. And he says, okay, Gary, kill Ned. And so Gary kills Ned, and that's that. And, hey, let's get back to that story. It's just a fun little deal. It's a little Joker deal. And it's well done. It's pretty crazy and fun there. But we go back. And where I think people will be like, oh, my God, this is cool, is the idea that when we do go back in time to 1942 Egypt to see how all this progressed in the story, you are seeing there Carter Hall and Shaira. You have Hawkman and Hawkwoman here. So they are digging in Egypt. They end up where they have their their guy with them and like, hey, he's like, why don't we go and just, you know, rob the Great Pyramids like everybody else? And then Carter says, no, 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 we're, we're not looking for like that type of treasure. We're looking for something better. And I think it's around here. And that's why Cher is like, Carter, we have stonework. And he runs over and the floor breaks open. She falls down and then yells up to Carter. Oh, my God. God, you got to get down here, Carter. So he does go down and they end up being led to a big door, a sealed door that has an upside down onk. And they pretty much, yeah, this is like one of those things that usually is, you know, they don't want you to open. Like it's hidden here. It's this big door upside down. I mean, this seems crazy. You do have Shaira saying, you know, I love you, right? Carter's like, are you just saying that before we get cursed eternally and, and things like that and everything goes wrong? Because, yeah, I love you too. And they do end up opening the door. And when they go in, they end up seeing Apophis, the Egyptian god of chaos, pretty much nailed to a wall, has an amulet on, has some 
you know, shoulder pads, but also has the helmet. And so you have Shaira looking, and all of a sudden Carter says, yeah, I think we better get out of here. Let's just close the door and pretend we didn't see this. This is starting to get freaky. And Shaira's like, no, 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 we can't ignore this. I mean, don't you hear the whispering? And and right there is where Carter should. I know it's not nice, but maybe he should kind of incapacitate her and get the hell out. Once you're in an ancient tomb and you're there with what appears to be the dead carcass of a god of chaos, I think you got to get out of there. You hear whispering that that means trouble. And it does because she ends up then taking the amulet and the helmet, putting it on and pretty much like I hear the voices now. They're all over the place. I know what you want me to do. Tries to knock out Carter, who does come over and say, hey, you know, you got to stop this. And then Shire takes off. Well, with that, you end up having Carter, you know, get his equipment, which is his Hawkman helmet. He puts it on and he gives chase as Hawkman. And so you end up having him chase Shire. They start fighting. They're in the middle of the second battle of El Alamein in World War II. I mean, there are planes going down around them. Then they end up crashing into the battlefield where you have allied forces versus the Axis forces just going at each other while you end up having Carter trying to stop this possessed Shaira. And so the problem is, like, both sides, they see a Hawkman, and they they don't look at them as any sort of help or anything like that. And the Germans, they end up opening fire on Carter and just riddle him with bullets. Now, Shaira seems to kind of break out of this control, break out of this because of what just happened to Carter. And as he's bleeding out, she ends up taking off the amulet and saying, you know, what's going on? These people, oh my God, I have to help you. Enough of this nonsense amulet and this stuff with Apophis. He throws it down and grabs him and then takes off to go and try to save him. And it's some nice dialogue. As he's there, he's bleeding out. He's like, it's good that we said nice things to each other before this. And so when, you know, Shira takes Carter off, you do see that the amulet was left. It was left there in that battlefield. Now, the battle raged on, even though you end up having tons of destruction because of Shaira. Well, there is people just dead around. And you do finally have the Australian and British finally come to the battlefield and they end up finding somebody who's alive. And this guy's alive. He's alive. Well, this guy's name is Dirk Strasser. He's a Nazi, but he also found the amulet. So he's laying there with the amulet. And when this guy comes, this Tucker comes over oh my god we got an alive one he ends up just holding the amulet and says you should take me to your staff sergeant he's like i will take you to the staff sergeant now when you have this it's done well because the anytime the amulet is possessing somebody make it you end up having it in purple so it's you're well aware of what's going on uh especially when shira breaks free of it because of what happened to carter but yeah this dirk strasser the nazi ends up being taken to Staff Sergeant Woolley, who then he kind of goes and then tells Tucker, poor Tucker just found this guy, Dirk, and wanted to help him. And then ends up where Strasser just says, okay, Tucker, shoot yourself in the face, which he does. Hence kind of alluding to, okay, we see that you can make people do that because it's basically what Hitler would do later anyway. But you end up where he gets Staff Sergeant Woolley. They get into a medic truck. 
and off they go. And he says, let's drive, Staff Sergeant Woolley. This should be fun. And he's like, and it says where Andre's telling the story to Joker over the next three years, he would be responsible for the deaths of thousands. And I always like like the secret history of things. And especially, you know, in a comic book where you can play around with all these things and make things supernatural and super powered. And it does say next how the JSA helped win the war. So I think that's pretty cool. But again, this is obviously going to connect to an Andre Savard in all this, a boy commando who was pretty good and, a, you know, a nice kid, at least then was orphan. We'll see how this gets a connection to him, how the war went, all of that stuff. So it's pretty cool. I like the art. And, you know, Cien Torme comes on and does just as good a job. Looks really good. I love seeing Hawkman and Shire, even the possessed Shire, all that stuff going. I'm going to give this a little less score because, again, these are just set up issues. And this is real quick. I mean, you can tell by how quick I could get through it that I'm going to give it an 8.5. It's not like it's bad, but it's starting to get to the point where I'm hoping, you know, Chapter 4 comes and now we get the JSA winning the war and stuff and things start hitting a little more now that we have some of this setup done. But overall, well worth the deal, well worth the price of admission for art, story, everything. It's really, really good, especially if you were, like me, a fan of Injustice, seeing some of the pieces kind of a year before put together, and not even a year before, years and years before, 50-some years before during World War II, seeing pieces come together and things like that is really, really neat, and it gives the opportunity to Tom Taylor to play around with some classic characters as well. So I do like that. But that's that. And that's the podcast. That's the end of this little side podcast that I do each week. Uh, I do want to stress, I would love if you like this to go and listen to the big show, as Ed Sullivan used to say, if anybody even remembers Ed Sullivan nowadays, but the big show on Sunday night, if you're our a Patreon at patreon.com slash weird science. You actually get it earlier in the day Sunday, but Sunday night it ends up going. And I'll tell you the books that we're going to be talking about this week. I already mentioned that we talked about Batman, the outsiders 15 and dark Knight's death metal number three on the Patreon spotlight. If you want that, you'll have to go and sign up on Patreon, but me and Eric will be talking about detective comics. Number 1025 Hawkman, number 26 justice league odyssey, number 23 Superman, number 24, the Flash number 759 and Wonder Woman 760 and maybe a couple sneak peek, not sneak peek, surprise books, little surprise books in there as well. I may end up doing a couple other things, but thanks everybody for listening to this. I really appreciate it and I will talk to you soon.